Bonjour. <laughs> yeah. It is one of those weird things when that's how everybody greets you and you get engrossed in that for a while and then you step out of it and you're not sure what to say. <laughs> you're walking around and you go, what, what, do I say hello? Do I, what, what do you do? So anyway, thank you for your prayers. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a great time. It was a great trip. Um, we did uh, meet people. We made connections, which are all good things. Because the goal is that we start a church, so there is a church plant that's going on uh, in the city of Buzancé. Uh, most of our time was spent in another town. The town had 150 people in it, which you go, really? <laughs> um, but I, I, the, the thing that I found interesting about it is there is a church in the town. It's a Catholic church. There is a church in town. Um, but they've stopped sending priests to it because nobody was coming. Um, and so the, the church is closed, closed um, most of the year. Um, but the one, the, we were there over Epiphany, which is the, the time of, uh, where they remember the kings coming to see Jesus. Uh, and for that, they have a... Um, they have uh, creches or manger scenes that they set up in each of the churches, and this particular church also did that. And then there's a path that they take, not like Stations of the Cross, but nonetheless, they visit each church. There's a group of people that will start out at one church and, and travel the, the churches in this small area. Um, and they, um, they have a little litany that they do at each one of those manger scenes. Um, and in that, they also remember... Um, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. Um, so, was it O Sacred Head? O Sacred Head, now wounded. Um, there are parts of that that they sing too. So there's a remembrance of what Christ did. He came and he came to die and be the suffering servant, suffering king that way. Um, but we are back. We were safe. Flights were all marginally good. They, they, were, they were good. Um, I've never fishtailed in a jet plane landing before. So I can write that off my bucket list <clears throat> because that was a hoot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, the, the trip was good. Um, and like I said, we made contacts with people. We saw the building. We were in the space. We prayed in the space um, that we are in the process of building that will, uh, Lord willing, hopefully house a, uh, a Protestant church um, and so that's, that's the goal and the desire, is that people would see, people would have changed lives, and that they would come to know the Savior as we know the Savior. So with that, let's stand together, please. And let's begin. Come thou fount of every blessing. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, some by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain I fixed upon. Not of my 
ourselves to you, that you would fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit, the guidance that comes from him, that we can live a victorious life in light of our sinfulness. Father, we just want to surrender ourselves to you, heart, spirit, soul, mind, this morning. Use us as you wish and desire, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Welcome, church. Uh, wonderful day in the house of the Lord this morning, amen? Uh, it's good to see you all this morning. My name is Nate Vance. I am the college and young adult minister here at Anastasia, and I just have a few announcements for you this morning. Um, we are so happy that you're here this morning to, to worship with us, and uh, if you're a first-time guest, you can text the word CONNECT to the phone number 904-441-6900, or on the screen, there should be a QR code that you take your phone out, and you point it at the QR code, you click a link, and it'll take you to our website and you can fill out a connect card there and see what's happening in the life of our church. Um, and what's happening this week is we are kicking off our midweek services. Uh, we are kicking off the youth, the, the student ministries, all the kids ministries. We're having dinners, we're having life groups, we're having life house again. Uh, so we're excited to kick off with you all in the new year um, this week. And another announcement we have is Thursday, January 25th. At 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary, we're going to have a concert. Uh, King's Brass is going to be here. It's going to be a wonderful time of worship. It will be free, so come enjoy free music and worship. Uh, and again, uh, thank you for coming this morning. You will want to be here for the King's Brass concert. I just want to say that right off the bat. Um, but it will be a time, as, as Nate said, there will be a worship element to that, um, as well as uh, just a time to be together and have fellowship.
Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and not all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with favor and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always contend with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our guilty deeds. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the mercy toward those who fear him. Aren't you glad our God is faithful? Let's stand together, please, as we begin. Sing together. Ready? Great is thy faithfulness, O
sing it out. Bless the Lord. Ready? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, oh my soul.
before you're seated, take a moment, welcome someone here, find someone you may not know, and welcome them to church this morning. take it out. I'm going to go over some numbers. Um, usually I'll get up here and give you some generic information, but today I'm going to be a little bit specific. Um, if you'll look on the back page of the bulletin where it says worship attendance January 7th, you'll see down below it says stewardship, and that's as of December 31st, not 2024 like it says. That's December 31st, 2023, but if you'll notice we had an amazing week of budget giving. We had $290,910.72 of budget giving the last week of the year. That is phenomenal. That is, that is your faithfulness in action. Also, um, at the end of September, um, we needed $2,286,249 in order to get where we need to be when the buildings are completed. And um, Walter said we needed a certain amount of money by a certain period of time. And I'd just like to say that, you know, we did way more than that. But as of, uh, as of December 31st, we only need $1,758,833, which is a really means that we've, we've received over half a million dollars in the final quarter of the year towards the building. That's fantastic. So. And then on top of that, we had a $40,000 uh, goal for Lottie Moon, and we received $47,479. So I know we, we, we stand up here sometimes and we say we're not, we're not really getting what we need out of the congregation, but you guys are just amazing, and I'm just so thankful. And, and I know that, uh, that the uh, staff and the church body is just so thankful, too. So we just wanted to say thank you so much for your generosity. Let's pray. Father God, we just... We thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and worship. Father, we thank you for the, the opportunity to serve. Father, we thank you for the generosity of this congregation, Father, and the, and the generosity of you, Father. We thank you for, for giving your son, Father, for, for um, our salvation. Father, we just um, are thankful for those who give of their time and, those, and, their, and their talents, but also their treasure, Father. Father, we just ask that as we we take these funds and, and we, we bring people in and they volunteer, Father, that we would just do everything that we can for the furtherance of your kingdom, Father. Father, we ask that everything we do, we do in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray all this today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you in the house this morning. Uh, just one quick thing I want to let you know before we jump in the word. If you'll be praying for Pastor Bobby. Uh, who is our teaching and contemporary pastor worship. Uh, he is dealing with a severe pinched nerve in his neck, 
and uh, has, has really been challenging and painful for him, so he's going to be out for a few weeks. But just in your time of prayer, I encourage you, uh, send any encouraging text or prayer uh, to Pastor Bobby as he's going through this, and we're praying that he gets some relief. Well, this morning we're going to start our new series that's going to lead us up to Easter weekend. We're going to be going through the book of Titus. And the book of Titus is a very small book uh, that's close to the book of Timothy. And, and it really is a short letter to uh, one of Paul's uh, people that he, pastors that he mentored and encouraged. And uh, he walked alongside of him and he gave some very specific instructions and a very specific guiding on how to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, to pursue godliness and embrace biblical truth, which I think is a very relevant topic for us to discuss. But he spent a lot of time trying to convince uh, the church in Crete, where he was writing, uh, to pursue godliness. And so much of the book of Titus is, is about persuading and convincing. And, you know, I thought just for a minute, before we kind of dive in, uh, I'm going to read a few different statements or say a few different statements, and I want you uh, to, to, to raise your hand with the one that best describes you, not the one that you would like to describe you, the one that would best describe you, okay? All right, so here we go. Uh, how many of you would say that uh, arriving 20 minutes early to something means that you're on time, right? If you're early, you are on time. All right, keep your hands raised just for a minute. Okay, that's a good number of us. Okay, all right, here's the next one. Now, how many of you would say if you get there when something starts, the time that it starts, that you are on time, right? If you get there when something starts, right? <laughs> 6.30, if something's starting at 6.30, you get there at 6.30, that's on time. Now, those of you who are left in here, <laughs> we love you. We just want to tell you, this is no judgment zone, right? But how many of you would say that when you arrive a few minutes late or a few minutes past when something was supposed to start, you're on time? Now, remember, this best describes you, not who you want to be. This best describes, raise your hand. Okay, a few of you are honest in here. All right, well, first, I just want to say we love you, okay? Now, now here's where it gets really challenging. For those of you who are married or you have somebody else in your household, now, some of you may be the person who likes to be 20 minutes early, and then the other spouse may be like to be the one who likes to show up, and their understanding of on time is a few minutes late. Anybody have that challenge? Have you ever tried to convince the other person in the relationship that they're wrong? How did it go? Not so well, right? Well, hey, listen, as we talk about convincing, there's a great deal of convincing going on in the book of Titus. And here is why, right? Titus is, is, uh, as as Paul was going to refer to him, is a true son of the faith. And we don't know if that expression came because Titus uh, came to faith under Paul's teaching and mentorship, uh, but Paul had a deep desire and concern for Titus. But Titus, being a young church planner in, in, in the place of Crete, was having some severe challenges. See, the churches there had a hard time with godliness. In other words, their lifestyle did not match their testimony and their preaching, right? their lifestyle and how they lived. And so there was a struggle. And I think well, part of this was understanding that they, they were under the interpretation that they were saved by faith through grace. And that's a 100% true statement. You and I are saved by faith through grace. It's nothing that we can do in our own works. We cannot be good enough. We cannot do enough good things to earn our salvation. 
But they thought, well, if, if it's by grace, then what's the purpose of good works? And so much of what Titus was challenged with was convincing the church of the importance of pursuing godliness. And to give you a description of how challenging Titus's job was, Titus chapter 1, verse 12, as we're going to read uh, later on as we go through the series, but it says, one of the Cretans, that means one of their own people said this, a prophet of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Now, coming from your own people, that's, that's, that's tough, right? But this is what Titus was dealing with. It was challenging. They had lost the desire or sought the purpose of why it was important to cling to biblical truth and to pursue godliness in their life. Now, one of the words you'll see repeated over and over again in the book of Titus is truth. Understanding and pursuing the truth. The word here is aletheia, and it means literally what happened and how it corresponds to reality. For much of the early church, it was helping them to understand the truth of Jesus' life, ministry, and death, and how it applied to the reality of their lives. You and I are the same, right? We need to understand the truth of Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection, but understand how it influenced our reality of life. And when we begin to understand that it influences everything in our reality of life, first and foremost, that we are set free in Christ Jesus because of his sacrifice and death on the cross. Amen? Amen. When we talk about the importance of pursuing godliness, it's important that our life is a testimony of the faith we have in Jesus Christ. John, Jesus would write this in John 14. It says that, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my what? Commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, then you will follow in, my relation, in our relationship by uh, doing my commandments. And he said, I will even ask the Father, and he will give you yet another helper to be the, with you forever. And even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. In other words, the truth will be made evident to us through the Holy Spirit, but as the truth is revealed to us, it should bring us to a place of pursuing godliness in our walk and our faith in Christ. Paul is encouraging Titus and reminding him and walking him through how to help the churches in Crete. Because it's important for them to understand, as it is for us, why we must cling to biblical truth and pursue godliness in our life. We're going to see kind of Paul laying that out here in the first chapter of, of Titus chapter 1. And so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Titus chapter 1. We're only going to read four verses. We're going to read 1 through 4. And if you are able this morning, would you please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? And you can follow along in your Bibles or the scriptures will be on the screen, but it says this, Titus chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. And at the proper time manifested his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child in a common faith. Grace 
and peace from our God, the Father, in Christ Jesus, our Savior. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Just a few verses that I believe set the tone of the book of Titus. And if you're taking notes this morning, and if I had to nail down what the title was of this message and what I really feel like uh, what Paul is writing to Titus about, it would be this. Why the pursuit of godliness and embracing biblical truth should matter to you. Why the pursuit of godliness and embracing biblical truth should matter to you and me. The first thing that you can write down, striving for godliness leads to greater fulfillment. Striving for godliness leads to greater fulfillment. The very first verse, Paul says this, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul made it very clear what his role was. It was to be a servant of the Lord Jesus. That his greatest fulfillment, his greatest purpose in life was to be a servant of the Lord. Now, you think about Paul's story and his journey, that's a pretty big statement considering where Paul came from. And if you're not familiar with Paul's story, uh, if you were to flash back to the book of Acts, it tells in Acts chapter 9 that he used to go by the name of Saul. And it says in verse 1 that Saul, breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to them, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So if we come full circle and we look at Paul's journey, the one who once persecuted Christians and persecuted Christ is now saying in full circle that my greatest fulfillment, my greatest purpose is to be but a servant of Jesus Christ. And so what's even more interesting about Paul is he had all the titles, he had all the education and accolades, he had the position and the statue and the power, but none of that gave him purpose and fulfillment in his life. In fact, Paul would later on go say, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was Paul's greatest fulfillment to be in the service of Jesus. It was not a title. It was not a position. It was not knowledge, but to know Christ Jesus. Listen, friends, Pursuing the things of God brings greater purpose in our lives. Pursuing godliness, the things that are of God that he has commanded us, when we do these things, it brings greater purposes. When we pray, when we serve, when we share our faith, when we worship, when we tithe, when we act in obedience, when we serve on mission trips, it brings greater fulfillment into our lives. Why? Because these are the things that God has created us to do. You know, as Christ followers, one of the understandings of what it means to be a Christ follower, it means to be an image bearer, right? We bear the image of Christ in our life, in our thoughts, in the way that we think, in the things that we do. We reflect Christ, almost like a mirror, right? As that the world sees us, they should see not us, they should see Christ in us, through us. You know... I think the problem is, 
for us as Christians and for us as the world, you know, the, or the world around us, uh, oftentimes we flip that. Instead of finding purpose and pursuing godliness, we try to look for purpose and fulfillment in worldliness. And can I tell you that as Christ followers, trying to find fulfillment, trying to find purpose by pursuing worldly things, it just doesn't work. Why? Because God didn't create us to pursue the things of the world. He created us to pursue him and godly behavior. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I was uh, out visiting some family, and, and we had a large group of our family together, and we decided we were going to rent a big van to transport us to get us all from one place to another, and we could be together. And I rented this big van. I mean, it was uh, like a 15-passenger van. And as I picked up the van, you know, it, it almost looked like a van that you would, it was a diesel van is what I thought it was. And as I picked it up, the guy I was renting it from, he says, I want to make it very, very clear to you. This is a gasoline van. Do not put diesel in it. And I said, okay, I got it. He said, no, no, I want you to understand. This is a gasoline van. It will not run on diesel. And I said, has this happened before? And he said, yes. <laughs> Somebody put diesel in my gas van. And not only did they not get to where they wanted to go, I had to get a whole new engine for this van. Can I tell you, diesel does not work in a gasoline engine. Can I tell you, as Christ followers, pursuing worldly things will not fulfill us in our faith? Only the pursuit of godliness will fulfill us in our faith. So why do we often try to take worldly things in the pursuit of them to find purpose in our life? Why should the pursuit of godliness matter? Why should... Uh, our, our embracing of biblical truth matter because that's the only place we're going to find fulfillment and purpose in this life. Paul is making a point to tell the people, to tell Titus to remind them of the importance of pursuing godliness. Second thing you can write down this morning is why it should matter for us to pursue godliness and embrace biblical truth. Gospel truth can only be effectively shared after it is fully embraced. Gospel truth can only be effectively shared after it is fully embraced. Paul uses this strong language as he's writing to the church, the, the house churches in Crete, and he's saying this, for the sake of the faith of God's elect. See, in Crete, what was happening is uh, what often kept other people from coming to faith in Christ Jesus were the very Christians that were serving as a bad example of what it meant to be a Christ follower. So what was keeping people from the gospel were the Christians who weren't living out the faith that God had called them. I, I read an article recently uh, that surveyed those who did not go to church, and they, and they began to survey and ask them, what was your greatest reason for not going to church and unfortunately, as I read the article, one of the greatest reasons people don't come to church is because of the behavior of Christians. Broke my heart to read so many who are desperate and in need of the hope and salvation that we have in our life, that what's keeping them from coming to church and hearing that gospel message is the behavior of Christ's followers who are not living out their calling. 
Why does godliness matter? Why does the pursuit of godliness matter? And, and Paul says, for the sake of the faith, for the sake of those who are lost, live according to what Christ has told us. For me, there's a link between our embrace of the gospel and our divine ability to effectively share the gospel. See, when we fully embrace the gospel, when we fully allow what Christ has done for us to sink in and change us from the inside out, boy, can I tell you, our witness is bolder, our faith is stronger, our testimony uh, speaks louder. The stronger my embrace to the gospel, the stronger my t- testimony will be to the ra- those around us. John 17, 17 says this, Jesus said this, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. The more that we embrace the word of God, the more that we allow it to change our hearts and life, there's a sanctification process happening, this pursuit of godliness, and we are becoming more like Christ. We are acting more like Christ did. We are showing grace and love as he did. Paul said, for the faith of others, we must pursue godliness for the sake of those around us. It hurts me to think that what the world around us needs most is I can be a roadblock for them to receiving it for the sake of the gospel. My, my son has uh, recently got really into building with Legos, and he likes to build these Legos everywhere in the house. And what often happens is that as he's building with these Legos, little pieces of Legos fall on the carpet and on our floor. And in turn, what happens is I'm walking in the middle of the night with no shoes on, barefoot. I step on one of those Legos. If you ever want to test your faith, (laughs) step on a Lego barefoot in the middle of the night. If you ever really want to see the testimony of your faith, it comes out immediately after you step out of that, that, on that Lego. I had to sit down with my son and say one day, buddy, listen, I, love, I know that you love Legos, but when you leave your little Legos around, it hurts me. It hurts me, literally. Pick your Legos up, buddy. Paul is saying similarly here to the church in Crete. You don't live out your faith and your calling. It hurts the church. It hurts those who are desperately looking for the hope that we carry in our life. Third thing you can write down this morning, the validation of the truth you preach is in the life you live. The validation of the truth you preach is in the life that you live. Paul would say that in their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. And he uses their knowledge. It's, in other words, it's this personal relationship and understanding of the gospel. So when it is modeled well to them what it means to be a Christ follower, to live a life of godliness, they have a healthy understanding in their faith of what it means to walk as Jesus has commanded them. Others needed to see the truth of the gospel in the lives of the leaders in the church. It's no different today. The world around us needs to see the faith and the validation of the testimony that we have in Christ Jesus through our actions. Now, can I tell you that most of the world who are not believers, 
To be honest, they're probably not looking and reading the Bible to see if it's true. Rather, they are looking to see if the Bible is true in our lives and how we live and how we carry about our lives. Most of the people who are lost and do not have a relationship with Christ, they're not looking to see if Jesus is really who he says he is. What they're looking to see is if Christians are really who they say they are, children of God. Because if we are children of God, then our lives would reflect that we live as children of God. You know, as we have a commandment, as we have a mandate from Jesus to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, we think about the the call to evangelism. You know, I think for us, there's a greater challenge for us, and not that we have an evangelism problem in the church. We have a godliness problem in the church. Because see, if we are pursuing godliness as Christ has called us, has commanded us, and we walk into obedience, boy, the evangelism of our lives will speak loud and clear to the world around us. And they will see the reality of our truth that we preach. They will know the hope that we carry in our lives. They will see the love that we show the world around us. And they will want and desire to have what we have in Christ Jesus. Why is godliness and the pursuit of it important? Because that's our testimony. That's our witness. That's the evangelism to the rest of the world. Scriptures say that they will know we are Christians by what? Our love. That's the testimony the world around us needs to see. There's an old phrase that you may have heard before, and it goes like this. The proof is in the... You've heard it. It's kind of an interesting phrase. It came from the 1600s, and, and it was, uh, uh, you know, kind of as a statement to say that uh, the proof is in the pudding is an expression that means the value, quality, or truth of something must be judged based on direct experience with it or on its results. By the way, the pudding they were talking about is not the pudding we're talking about. <laughs> more of a a porridge or something very different than what we would consider pudding. But the point still stands. If something is good, something is worthy, if something is value, then you will know it by your experience with it. For Christians, for us, the proof should be in our lifestyle and how we live. I heard a pastor once say that uh, the evidence of faith in your life means that you are changed, and by that change, you often influence change in others' life. And he would simplify it and say, changed people change people. Now, I want to be careful that we are not the, uh, rather, the ones to change others. That's only the work of the Spirit. That's only the work of salvation through Christ Jesus but we can be instruments of influence of change in others' lives. And I think that that's the call that we have in our life. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 would say it like this. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You know, my prayer for us as Christ followers is that others would consider 
the outcome of the way of our life. That as they see in our life, and they see that as we go through challenges, that even in the midst of those challenges, we have immense hope. And even in the midst of times and circumstances when we deal with people who wrong us or hurt us, that they would see the testimony of our love for those people. And even in the midst of a broken world, they would see the grace that we give. That they would consider the outcome of the way of our lives. You know, Part of my story and my testimony in coming to faith in Jesus Christ was not a result of going to an evangelism service. In fact, it was not even really a result of hearing a pastor preach or going to a worship service. My testimony, my coming to faith was seeing other Christians live out their faith as Christ had called them to. And seeing how they loved and cared for those around us, I began to realize that they had something that I did not have in my life. And as I began to ask, I realized that that difference was Christ Jesus. Why does the pursuit of godliness matter? Why does our embrace of biblical truth matter? Because the more that we embrace it, the more that we live it, more people will see of the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ in our life. There's a challenge for us in 2024, church. The challenge is this, to live as Christ has called us. For Titus, there was a challenge to persuade the church to pursue godliness I believe today there's a challenge for the church. Be the light and the hope in a darkened world. Share the love of Jesus through your actions, through your life. So this morning as we close, I want to challenge you. As Titus, Paul gave a time of response and invitation to the church through their teaching and their preaching, this morning, there's a time for us to respond. Will we live our lives in obedience, pursuing godliness, and embracing spiritual truth? And if this morning you've swayed off course, as we all have, today is an opportunity to plant your feet in your faith where they belong. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus. We love you. We thank you for your word that we could open this morning. God, challenge us this morning to live according to your word, according to the life and the faith that you've called us to live. Father, as we have a time of invitation this morning, I pray that, God, as you lead us, maybe this morning is a time of rededication, Lord. And if there's someone here that needs to rededicate their life to you, Lord, I pray that uh, during this time of response that they would do so. Whether that means coming up here and praying and uh, meeting with a decision counselor or praying right where they're at, Lord, I pray that they would respond. Maybe it's to join this church. Maybe it's to, for the first time, to put faith and trust in you. What better time, what better day than now? So, Father, we look to you, and we want to give you all glory and praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand, let's worship.
And if God's leading you this morning, you come. You come this morning. Singing together. no instruments in parts. for your faithfulness. We can sing those words with confidence because you have proven yourself, demonstrated yourself to be a faithful God. Now, Father, take these words that we've heard today, impress them upon our hearts and our minds. And, Father, may we be faithful to you as we leave this place. In all things, may your spirit empower us to be faithful to you. Now may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another that together you may with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.